0: Off the Ball the last battle in the Ronaldo-Messi war Mm. was that World Cup and uh, Ronaldo lost it and then then he ended up at like an Al-Massar Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app
1: The News Round on Off the Ball
0: with Gillette Labs Get the ultimate shave with your money back Neon Night Edition available now Hello there. You're welcome along on this Wednesday evening. So with Limerick Clare once again in a Munster hurling final, Joe Quaid and James O'Connor will take us inside the Limerick Clare rivalry of yesteryear. Rory McElroy says he feels like a sacrificial lamb in the wake of the PIF PGA Tour deal. Rex Hogard of the Golf Channel will join us with some of the inside details. Jay Monahan called a coward by one of the players in the players meeting yesterday. So it's uh, juicy stuff, I think, over there. And Dennis Leamy is with us on Wednesday Night Rugby to reflect on his first year as part of the Munster coaching ticket, which has been eventful for obvious reasons. So, Dennis Leamy on Wednesday Night Rugby after 8 o'clock, 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Will O'Callaghan here in studio. Hello. Evening, Joe. How leaky is that PGA Tour dressing room? It's uh, getting leaky now. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting very leaky now. Um, Though uh, even McIlroy in his press conference, uh, he got a phone call from Jimmy Dunn very shortly before the rest of the world found out. So um, we were wondering if his reticence over the last couple of weeks was maybe because he knew that this deal was coming. He certainly didn't know it was coming in this fashion. He did say he had heard maybe they were talking. So that might explain why he was not taking questions on Liv Mm -hmm. uh, to some extent or other. But um, yeah, the sacrificial lamb line, that was more when he was asked if the players who turned down all the money should be recompensed somehow now as part of this merger. And uh, that was when he, he mentioned the sacrificial lamb line. To be fair, in the main, he was um, like pretty understanding of the reasons for the deal. And he was saying, PIF is spending so much money in golf, we kind of can't compete with the money that they're spending, in effect. So do you want them as your enemy or as your ally? And that was the rationale behind the deal. And I don't like it, but I get I it. I think there was a tone of acceptance,
2: though. Yeah, It was almost, it's better to have these guys on the inside and providing sponsorship money to try and improve the lot for the boys in the locker room than having them outside and sleeping at war. Yeah, because it does seem, that I mean, I've listened to about
0: 58 podcasts on this in the last 24 hours. It does seem as if things were getting very sketchy financially for the PGA Tour. They had spent one um, podcast mentioned already 30, 40 million in legal fees. And in trying to compete with Liv, they had jacked up all the prize money and, next year they're hoping to have designated events where the top players wouldn't be compelled to turn up at these designated events, but they were still looking for, you know, tens of millions extra. And many sponsors were saying, Why am I paying you tens of millions extra for basically what I'm getting already? So it wasn't landing terribly well. Uh, meanwhile, PIF are like, what's another billion? Yeah. So I, I just think
2: in this like war of attrition. Money money like, is always gonna win. It's, it's like, like a, I said to you in the yeah. tangent last night, if you're the PIF at the outset of this you would have been thinking make it incredibly difficult for the PGA Tour where so many concessions had to be given to players to ensure that they wouldn't leave the tour in the first place they're talking about giving away more of the prize money pool to players to ensure they don't go to play live golf and eventually back the PGA Tour into a position where they have to come to some kind of agreement that at least to me as an outsider feels like a complete takeover where all the tours are now merged, but the PIF are going to be those who are pulling the strings in the background while providing the money for the golfers. The PGA Tour are clinging to Jay Monaghan, still the CEO
0: and we have a majority board, but I mean, money talks, we've learned. So it does feel like a hostile It's a very different take-over. position of power compared to where the PGA Tour were a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. I think, just, I think they've just been beaten down. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it was Alan Shipnock uh, mentioned, like, Donald Trump, of all people. Predicted this two years ago. One of the things he said was, well, I'd take the money now because when the merger happens, you're going to be glad you took the money. Mm-hmm. So, Richie McCormack, from Donald Trump to Richie McCormack, hello.
1: Well, we are one and the same, Joe. Yes. I think indeed. many people would agree on that.
0: Indeed. Um, we'll be talking, Dennis Leamy with us after 8 o'clock, as mentioned, and then uh, Joe Quaid, James O'Connor, looking back on Limerick Clare uh, of yesteryear. So there was a period, <clears throat> kind of 94 Munster final, which Limerick won, 95 Munster final, which Clare won, and then the Kieran Carey point in 96, kind of an epic uh, game, um, we had a bit of a chat with the boys before coming on air. It's on the way after nine, but Joe Quaid was telling the story about Kieran Carey's famous point, which we all know, and you think of his neck sticking out and the sinews uh, strained and him looking like he was going to fall over several times. That was when, so Limerick scored four points in the last four minutes to win that game, be clear. But uh, Joe Quaid was saying that the ground was unbelievably hard that day, uh, to the extent that James O'Connor... Kicked off his boots and played in his socks for the last ten or fifteen minutes. I was trying to find some photos when Jamesy mentioned. Them. I haven't well, found them yet, but well, I'm going to keep looking. Mick last night, when Mick was saying we should do this piece, just like he was listing off all the reasons we should talk to them, and then he was like, "And I think James kind of played in his socks at the end of that game." So <laughs> it turns out he did. Um, so Kieran Carey, a madman that he is, uh, Quaid will tell the story brilliantly later on. But so they they they'd be generally two of the last to leave the dressing room, and they sat beside each other. They took out a. Uh, uh, pack of smokes, and they're sitting there puffing. It's ninety six. Come on, uh, don't do it now, kids. And they're they're puffing away and uh, reveling. And it was about twenty three, twenty four degrees. And Kieran Carey kicked off his shoes, and uh, Quaid says that there was no skin left on the soles of his feet, and that he had to help him into the shower, just trying to find a bit of skin on his toes where he could put Stop. some pressure down. And uh, Kieran Carey, the madman, would only wear. Rugby sized studs. So Jamesy had moldies and had to kick off his boots. Kieran Carey wore rugby length studs. Add a couple of inches onto what Jamesy was wearing, yeah. And in the oh. 71st minute, with no skin, Around the length of the pitch, popped it over, and then had to be helped into the shower by Joe Quaid because there was no skin on his feet. I never knew, that. like I'll never see that point the same way again. So that,
2: I'm not sure if it's the adrenaline, way. Joe, but I never saw him actually wince at any point when he was gliding across the pitch to put that point over. Maybe he was just going on pure adrenaline and maximum pain. But I would no. say when that adrenaline wore off, the next
0: morning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, blisters are a curse. I mean, like they're such a weak reason, Richie. Like if you're if you're involved in any endeavour and you're like, I can't, I have a blister. It doesn't sound gr- it
1: doesn't sound great. And yeah, they're no. bloody sore. They'll do you. They 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 are they they are the absolute like the the absolute worst. You're speaking to somebody who's suffered from them intermittently down through the years, and they're just even small tiny ones. They're no crack. I, I can't even imagine. That level of pain that's involved in the entirety of your soul being gone, oh. <laughs> just raw red I'm going into a ah sh- oh, Jesus, like it's no it's grim, no, no, yeah, yeah. It's no, a, that's it's painful. That, that's the kind of thing that'll keep me up at night. <laughs>
0: um, next time, Karen carries in the show. Remind us; we'll have to ask him about that. Uh, so, the news round is brought to you. Which you let labs get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, Richie, this news um, about. Teddy McCarthy Mm -hmm. broke after we were off air last night so um, still a young man
1: yeah, the GEA President Larry McCarthy has led the tributes to Teddy McCarthy following his sudden death a month shy of his 58th birthday. McCarthy remains the first and only man to win football and hurling All-Ireland titles in the same year. The Glanmire and Sarsfields club man played in midfield for Cork in both finals in 1990. That success saw him complete back-to-back All-Irelands with the footballers having been also part of the 1986 All-Ireland winning hurling side. Images of McCarthy fielding the ball in midair uh, with either the small or the big ball roll over this morning's papers. And their images that will stay with Court Chair Mark Sheehan, who spoke this morning with our colleagues at Red FM. When you think of him, um, or when you when you meet him in, in recent times, uh, you can never take those images from from your uh, from your mind's eye, as it were, uh, from the memory uh, of he was literally like a, a salmon. And um, I think that that was a hallmark of his play, uh, a dynamic central central field uh, player, so What is his his of of
0: the ball and his distribution of the ball, in, in both and both holding hurling in football would be, you know, he was he was key
1: to, to those teams. He wasn't just a, uh, you know, a, a regular member, if there is such a thing, mind you. But uh, he was he was central to uh, those, both those teams uh, and, and the codes that he played, you know, and he did so well for, for so many years.
0: He was before my time, but I, I think any of us who saw the photos of him 25 feet off the air over the last 24 hours did a double take.
2: Yeah, iconic, whatever about in football where someone goes up for the high field generally in a crowd like he would, even with his remarkable leap, I thought in hurling it was often even more impressive because you'd see he'd almost be pushing off someone's back, coming up and taking the ball out of the air at a time when Hurleys would be swinging in the air at the same time and invariably Teddy McCarthy tended to come back down with the ball. And mm. I remember that we were doing a piece uh, during the pandemic with, uh, we did the mead cork rivalry on OTBAM, and I remember that Larry Tompkins was talking about that being just one of Teddy McCarthy's fantastic skills. The teams did not want to put a high 50-50 kick out into the air because invariably Teddy just by being smaller than some of the Mead players on the opposition side would have such a spring that he would get up there and either be a disruptor or invariably more often be a catcher in the air so yeah. his achievement to winning two in the two weeks will never happen again because the way the seasons no. have gone that that record is his for I forevermore know. I know like
1: he's he was part of like you, you consider in that 1990 final as well Will like he's going up against one of the best fielders of the football like that 1990 team speaking as a Mead supporter mm-hmm. broke my heart uh, when I was eight years old and he was like central to that and was part of an incredible, incredible team. And he's gone up against somebody like Martin O'Connell who would have been hanging around the centre of the park as well coming in from left wing back. It was just probably the best fielder of the football that I've ever seen in my lifetime and yet McCarthy was was right up with, up there with him and as you say that feat of winning two All-Irelands in the space of fortnight like it, it, it's almost it's a shame the way things have gone that that will never happen again but in a way for it to be one man's legacy is is, there's something really beautiful about that it's just Mm. so desperately sad that he was uh, so young when he
2: passed
0: yeah condolences to all obviously Um, there was much anticipation over in Canada the Canadian Open is uh, quietly on in the background here on the PGA Tour Rory McIlroy is defending champion so his press conference was today Rich lost uh, Richie gone gone gone
2: yeah we we'll are we'll back we We'll second. get him back. We've Did you watch of
0: much of earlier on? Uh, no, I was doing bits and bobs. I, I watched uh, about 10, 12 minutes of it. And initially I'd seen the comments about the sacrificial lamb and thought, oh, this could be interesting. Yeah, He's livid. But then it was um, just a touch resigned to the realities of the world, I would say. No great
2: anger, just... I wonder how it would have felt if you spoke to some of the players yesterday when it became clear that they found out, as we did, about the news. Or I think you were saying last night, some got a call maybe a minute or two beforehand to say, hey, press release is about to come out. You can imagine if you were one of those players who decided to be PGA Tour loyal and gave all of the moralistic reasons over the last year that you wouldn't go and play for Live Golf and huge sums of money were being put before these players. And now to consider... Those who walked away and picked up a huge payday for going to play for Live are now seemingly just going to walk back in without any punishment whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, he addressed that. We'll talk about it, with Rex Hogard, later this hour. And um,
0: in terms of those who advocated a moralistic argument, no one did. No one was talking about this from a moral. I can't can't emphasise this enough. Like none of them ever in the last like eighteen months when they're interviewed mention the Saudi human rights aspect even
2: us top players like John Ram didn't John Ram say I want to be here so I can play the historical tournaments yeah, that are on the PGA Tour and the best players are here and this is the, like it was always that it was never I'm
0: taking a stance you mm-hmm. know like they were more aggrieved by the fact that there were 54 hole events as opposed to 72 holes that was like well that's an outrage you know <laughs> as opposed to everything else uh, Rex Hugard from the Golf Channel with us he's got the inside scoop on what's been going on Richard, back with us. Uh, So we have a Conference League final this evening. West Ham.
1: Yeah, West Ham are looking to win, along with Fiorentina as well, the first piece of European silverware since the 1960s. They meet in Prague in the final of the Conference League. Police in the Czech capital have detained 30 people following an attack on West Ham fans by Fiorentina supporters today. In a statement on Twitter, the police force has confirmed that three people have been injured and kickoff is coming up at 8pm.
0: On this, so I was... um, you know it's never a morning amazingly well spent but I was watching some Sky Sports News uh, just checking in and who's over in Prague um, Cotterill Simon Jordan was it Gary Cotterill yes yeah he's travelling
2: yeah. with the fans yes, yes yes yes
0: so it was great I thought yeah, great report he's there in the square he's admiring the architecture in Prague and uh, they're already on the booze and it's 11am midday territory and you think okay, okay that's, that's the deal it's going to be a long day yeah but I, I thought well that's all fine And then he said, of course, we should mention the stadium for this (coughs) European final is quite small. It has a capacity of 20,000. West Ham's ticket allocation is 5,000. Now, our estimates suggest 40,000 West Ham fans have travelled over. And as he said this with the backdrop of everybody getting absolutely sozzled at midday, I thought. Cold. (laughs) Yeah. What the Mm. hell? Are you ready for playing out here? Mm. This like they oh, have they, they've done
2: this
1: isn't the first time they've done this. I think the first, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the last season's one was in Tirana, or Tirana. They're, they're, They've certainly gone with smaller venues.
2: No, no, for the Frankfurt
1: brought a final.
0: huge crowd last year as well. Richie, <laughs> as well <laughs> smaller yeah. venues and there's 20,000. Fra- a Frank- ticket Frank- allocation Frankfurt, of 5,000.
1: Frankfurt was to the uh, Sanchez one, which I think that was for the the Europa League final. Or um, Rangers, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the I think I think it was Tirana. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. That Roma won the the uh, the Conference League last year, but they've gone for slightly more quote unquote atmospheric, smaller venues for these um, <clears throat> for these uh, for these finals. And their, their argument will be: Well, we always say if you don't have take it, don't travel. Um, and to have 40,000 people (laughs) Is it their first
0: first year organising a final? Don't travel if you don't have a ticket Um, Oh okay he said the other 35,000 West Ham fans No but it's it's
1: mad it's mad because I'm old enough to remember when there were finals European finals where they did actually have like if you go back to I think it was 93 there was a Cup Winners Cup final at Wembley with Parma and Antwerp and there must have been about 30,000 people knocking around in it and similarly you go back to like Everton winning the Cup Winners Cup in, in the mid 80s in Rotterdam and that place is half empty uh, so they do have a history of having weird final placings, UEFA, this going back decades. I, I, can, I can see their reasoning for going for more atmospheric kind of venues and not going for your a giant Enormo domes with an athletics track around everything. But mm. they need to have a bit of common sense. But then you, you can't foretell that, like, who's going to make it. I get that. that, that. It's, going be, it's going to be West Ham. I, know, I just well. think
0: go, like 40,000 atmospheric, 20,000 is creating a problem. Um, well, look, they're going to get atmospheric this evening, I would think, in Prague. So hopefully um, nothing too serious develops. Uh, Lionel Messi, we're, we're kind of we're awaiting news tonight. Is this like a decision type thing yeah. or are you, we're definitely getting the word <laughs> this evening?
1: I don't think we're getting a hurriedly made documentary but no, I think the decision is going to come tonight and Lionel Messi does look set to continue his career in MLS. Inter-Miami are poised to sign the 35-year-old World Cup winner after his contract expired at Paris Saint-Germain. A return to Barcelona or a move to Saudi Arabia had been mooted. Barca, not financially equipped uh, to get that deal over the line this summer while the Saudi deal uh, was always on the table. Messi's Miami contract would involve profit sharing with both Apple and Adidas, two of MLS's primary sponsors. Apple last year signed a 10-year 2.5 billion broadcast deal with the league while adidas are the kit sponsors for each and every one of its teams
0: to think that we have just missed out on Phil Neville being Lionel Messi's manager is it's great, cruel.
2: Great. Or, or Leo Messi has missed out on Phil Neville being his manager is <laughs> maybe one way of looking at it. But uh, yeah. We
1: should have seen this coming last week because they sacked obviously they sacked Phil Neville, the first name being floated as part of uh you know, names that were being around the job was Tata Martini, uh, tata martino, the former Barcelona manager, who would obviously have close links okay. with, with uh, Messi as well. As soon as I saw that I was like, Aye, ay, here we go. Well I'd say uh, I, I, I would, would imagine
0: I would imagine Lionel will get a say.
1: I, I, what do you, do you think it's a bit. <laughs> yeah, what do you think here
0: are the players yeah. I would also like yeah so after so much talk of Liverpool for so long
1: yeah Real Madrid have agreed a basic fee of €103 million Euro with Borussia Dortmund for Jude Bellingham the Bundesliga side could pocket a further €34 million in potential add-ons Bellingham will complete a medical this week ahead of signing a six
2: year contract
0: I mean Kamavinga and Bellingham will trample all over pretty much every midfield in Europe for the next five years.
2: Well, it's perfect forward planning by Real Madrid, isn't it? That a few years ago it was very clear that their midfield who've been key to winning multiple European Cups were coming towards the end of their tenure Tony Kroos to retire this summer. I think Modric is going to stay around for one year so his experience will still be there in that midfield but ultimately Casemiro was jettisoned last year. They bring in Camavinga and Chiuameni to be their defensive midfielders and now they've got Bellingham who's one of the most exciting young midfielders in Europe and you just think, oh, they've actually sorted that really, really well. And now they just need a number nine and you feel like Real Madrid have been rejuvenated again uh, going into next season because there's so much time left with Rodrigo and Vinicius. It's a very young looking Real Madrid team. right? If you're Harry Kane, do you now have to say well? Yes,
0: I would like to play beside you. It's funny, Rich, towards the end of a slight tangent, a text yeah. came in saying, if Harry Kane doesn't leave Spurs, he's a coward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we got into just a weird conversation. If you were Kane and your two options were go to Manchester United and have, you know, the distinct risk that you won't win the league realistically in the next five, six years. United are still a good bit off City. It's very possible they won't. Mm. But you do break Alan Shearer's record or you go to Real Madrid and I'll offer you three La Ligas but you don't break Shearer's record.
1: I don't know how Shearer's record is even part of the conversation here but just way you one way or the
0: other but hang on wait, wait, in terms of your legacy as a player like nobody says of Alan Shearer oh man he won a league title in 95 they say he's the highest scorer in Premier League history that's like a an unbelievable legacy an unbelievable feat no one's yeah, like Shearer I, he's the guy who won the league with Blackburn
1: he could he, yeah but the game's all about winning trophies as well. ah come off it it's about individual yeah, it glory is. <laughs> I, d- I, d- I if, if I was Kane, like, and, and God knows I'm not, um, this summer does seem like the summer to go. If you're going to go any, like, depending on, it d- doesn't matter where, like, where it is, and there are obviously numerous decent offers on the table for him. If you're going to go, it's it's this summer, just given his age profile and, and everything else that goes with it, and the needs, I'd say he has a personal needs to, to get his hands on some silverware. It's not going to happen at Spurs, um, there's going to be so many clubs looking for him that can, well not so many, but the likes of United, the likes of Bayern Munich perhaps, the likes of Real Madrid, if they come knocking, go.
0: Yeah. Where would you go?
2: Madrid. Uh, I think even when Alan Shearer left to go to Newcastle, he was going to a team who had been contenders within the Premier League. I think he would every reason to think that when he went to his hometown club, he was going there to win trophies. It just didn't work out. If you gave Alan Shearer the option, I wonder now, where he turned down a couple of moves to the continent when he was already a Premier League winner at Blackburn, I think he may well have... Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, some regrets in the back of his mind that he didn't travel there, but the fact that he already won a Premier League makes his situation even a little bit different to Kane. I think if I'm Harry Kane, and I fully believe Harry Kane wants to go to Man City two years ago, you've got to be going somewhere where you're set up to win trophies straight away. Well, City was the no-brainer. I mean, that was the perfect sweet
0: spot, whereas United now is... If he goes to United, there's a real degree of we may not win a trophy, but I do become the greatest goalscorer in English Premier League history.
2: Or maybe came back himself and says, if Manchester United have a number nine, we can close the gap to Manchester City. Yeah, but deep down he'll know why he's deep, going there over Real yeah. Madrid. But deep down, that's the part of him going, hmm, playing beside Vinicius Junior, I think that might go quite well. Yeah, it'll really be interesting to see what he does. It'll be a real insight into his
1: soul. And also what Spurs are willing well, to not, well, do. Well, not, well,
2: yeah it's, it's what Spurs are willing to
1: do because he's it's, got I think yeah. it's a couple of years left in his contract he's got is two or three years left in his contract so basically Oh no
0: he's up Spurs he's, he's, into he's, his into his his, he's into his last year I think isn't he?
1: I don't know I think he's got two so Spurs are in the position where they okay. get to dictate terms this summer next summer Kane will be the man to be able to to call a shot man. but Spurs can say and knock back whatever deal comes their way or not this summer whereas next year Spur, Kane will be in the proper bargaining position
2: The real regret six for Kane contract is the six year contract What a joke if, if Georgie Mendes or someone else had been his agent there is no way they would have said sign a six year deal I know he rocks up with his brother thinks I've been at this club for so long I'm going to show my loyalty and I'm going and to sign on And things were going well Pochettino was there new stadium was coming
0: I know Alleged gentleman's agreement that if a bid comes in you can leave I mean that's that's the one where I do like to imagine Daniel Levy with his mates like roaring laughing and saying but then I told him I'd let him leave <laughs> and he was like okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It's, uh, well, we'll see. It does feel like it's coming to a head this summer.
2: And if you were Ange Postacoglu, Joe, I assume when you spoke to Daniel Levy during these negotiations, the first question you would have asked, is Harry Kane staying here? I would think so, though I suspect regardless of the answer, if you're
0: Ange Postacoglu... He's moving anyway? I I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. You won't get too many chances to make eight million a year in a four-year deal. Uh, Not to make it all that money. They're like, they should, like, he could do a job at Spurs, you know? And would he get a better offer? Jared pitched in at Aston Villa Territory. Yeah,
2: no I think Rogers, his, his stock will never be higher than it no. is right now and you're cashing it in for a, a top five or six club in England Yeah, absolutely uh, On foot of our chat about the Munster hurling
0: final and the Clare-Limerick rivalry uh, lads you have to put it on your bucket list to experience the raw passion of a Munster hurling final says Conor and Limerick Yeah, I've never been to a Munster hurling final into, into football a, final, but never been, been
2: to a few. Um, it, I actually think it's enhanced by the fact that I know you have the conversation with the guys coming up about the venue and the fact that you know Clare eventually had to agree to go to Limerick, even though Sample Stadium was their preference, and it seemed they were unwilling to go to Porky Weave, or certainly it didn't. Uh, it was a worse, the worst option, would have been to go to Porky Weave uh, compared to going to Limerick. I actually think it's enhanced somewhat by the fact that the venue switches around a little bit as well. And I like that some years you're going to Limerick, some years you're going to Semple Stadium for these fixtures which kind of adds that bit of colour to it too uh, the Leinster finals have felt uh, a little bit dead when they've been going to Croke Park but I know Tommy Welch said to you a few weeks ago he wouldn't take it out of Croke Park because you would never uh, want to take away the experience of getting to play on the hallowed ground but I sometimes wonder if Leinster would be better off actually playing in the provincial venues as opposed to Croke mm. yeah Rich, it is an amazing experience
0: yeah I'll bet do you want to bring us last uh, story to Rich
2: yeah, desperate news. This
1: Derry City manager Rory Higgins has confirmed that Colin Whelan will miss the rest of the season. The former Republic of Ireland under-21 striker suffered a knee injury after his studs got st- stuck in the Brandywell's 4G surface in last month's 2-0 defeat to Shamrock Rovers. That was only Whelan's third appearance for the club after a year out with an ACL injury. While Iga Svantec remains on course to retain her French Open singles title. The top seed beat Coco Gauff 6-4, 6-2 today in their quarterfinal and Svantec will play Beatrice Maya next. She became the first Brazilian woman to reach Roland Garros semi in the open era with a straight sets win over the 7th seed Angebor Alexander Zverev meanwhile is through to a 3rd consecutive semi final at Roland Garros the German beat Argentina's Tomás Martín Echeverri in 4 sets today Zverev will play either the 4th seed Ruud or 6th seed Holger Runa they meet tonight on Philippe Chatrier
0: The uh, London Irish owner has been speaking
1: yeah, London Irish owner Mick Crossan says filing for administration was a last resort. The club has been suspended from all tiers of English rugby after they failed to meet a deadline for a takeover to be completed. 50% of last month's salaries also remain unpaid. The club are £30 million in debt and Crossan says a US consortium of NUE Capital and Red Strike failed to keep promises about potential funding.
0: OK, very good. Rich, thank you. Nice lads. Will O'Callaghan, thanks a Cheers, lads. Cheers. The news round am Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.